Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You are entering the news vault from KCBS Radio. Flames and the smoke. I have a tape recorder in my hand. Well, nobody would think of doing that. The newsmen were blocking the door. It worked for a couple of seconds. Bringing the sounds of history back to life. Here is your host, Stan Bunger. This time our reach into the archive goes to New Year's Eve of 2000. On that day, KCBS rebroadcast a special report entitled Drinking and Driving the Killer Next Door, an example of really well-done radio reporting in which simply reporting the statistics of an awful thing like drunk driving isn't enough. In this case, reporter Mike Sugarman took listeners beyond the stats and inside the personal stories surrounding drunk driving. Here's the anchor lead-in for the report. Tonight won't be much different than past New Year's Eves. Many people who shouldn't, people who've been drinking, will get behind the wheel of a car and drive. In this encore broadcast of a KCBS cover story, Mike Sugarman examines the possible consequences of that bad decision. And here's Mike Sugarman's report from New Year's Eve 2000. This holiday season, you might find yourself in a situation where maybe you've had a few too many drinks and now you have to get home. You're tipsy. Maybe you're a little drunk. Maybe you're a lot drunk. But you figure, hey, I can make it. No problem. So you get in your car and you start driving. And maybe you'd get home just fine, not even think twice about it. Maybe have a little trouble remembering the entire trip. Just exactly how did I get home? But you think to yourself, I'm above all that trouble you hear about these days about drinking and driving. Or you might not be so lucky. Look at the tip of my pencil, and with your eyes alone, just follow the tip of the pencil, okay? You could get pulled over by the California Highway Patrol. Okay, you've been placed under arrest for driving under the influence of alcohol. And you could end up in jail. At some point, am I going to be made, able to make a free phone call? Or you might not be so fortunate. He jumped the medial strip and just headed straight for us. And um, we just, you know, tried to swerve the car to the right to get out of his, his path. And in slow motion, he just plowed into us. You might kill someone. I looked at my little sister and I knew, I knew she was gone. And I told the doctors that. I said, I know the angels have come to get her. In your worst nightmare, you never expected anything like this. I never thought that I would ever hurt somebody. I never have intended to hurt anybody in my entire life. But he did. He drove after drinking and he killed a young man in the prime of his life. I was doing 65 miles an hour in a Dodge van. He was driving a VW bus. Front ends were crushed to the driver's seat. The man, a good, reputable citizen of my community, 250 people went to his funeral. Beautiful wife, two children. Uh, died almost instantly. He has vowed never to drink and drive again. He certainly won't this holiday season. He's spending it in Soledad prison. And if you think none of this can happen to you, 
you're wrong. And if you figure you can beat a judicial system that some critics view as lenient, maybe you will, but it's harder to beat your own conscience. I've lived with it for constantly, uh, and I'll never forget it. The woman suffers, the two, two children suffer that I, that I took their father from and their husband. Anyone who has been touched by drinking and driving, the people caught, the victims, the family of victims, they all say it's not worth it. If only people knew. But most of us have to put our hands in the fire. In the next several minutes, we'll walk you through the system to let you in on what a drinking driver might expect. Then you can make up your own mind. Do you have something to drink just recently? Maybe a glass. Maybe a glass of uh, wine or... Would you like to see my driver's license? I would like to see your driver's license, please. On this one here, what first attracted my attention is she had her uh, turn signal for the longest time. And uh, that kind of had me focusing on her. Then when I did notice that she was actually weaving within her lane in a jerky motion. Whatever hand you feel comfortable with. One, two, three, four, four, three, two, one. One, two, three, four. Three, what are you guys doing to me? I want to go home. I'm on my way home. What are you doing? I want you to lift whatever leg you feel comfortable when I tell you to. Look down at your toe and count. 1,001, 1,002, 1,000. See, we're going to go take a chemical test to see how much alcohol you have in your system. State law says you have to take either blood, a breath, or a urine. The choice is up to you. Take a deep breath, blow. Blow, 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 blow. Not getting no more. Stay left, left. Look what you blew into the machine. You want to look over? Okay. First time was a 1.7, the second time was a 1.6, which is well over the uh, limit. What's going to happen now, you're going to go upstairs. You're going to stay with the sheriff's department no. a few hours until you sober up. Okay? Even if it's not okay with you, it's four hours in jail. In San Francisco and several other counties around the state, you don't get thrown into a drunk tank like Otis did on Mayberry RFD. Not right away. Once you turn around, face the other way, and put your arms out, spread your arms out. You get thrown into a holding cell with everyone else who has been brought into jail that night while your paperwork is completed, and that could take some time. It is not a pleasant experience. There can be anywhere from five to 30 people in there. They stink. They haven't bathed in a year. There's bugs on a lot of these people. Nurse Genevieve Ireland will tend to you if you need medical attention. Otherwise, you'll have time to socialize with your mates. Speak up, bro. Traffic, huh? I had some cigarettes. And I was being hassled for the cigarettes all the time. And it was like, there were maybe like 50 guys in this tank. And they were all pretty heavy dudes. I didn't use the bathroom the whole time I was there. I wouldn't drink the water because there was, there was these uh, guys puking up their drugs and out of, taking them out of their balloons. There's more drugs in the jail than there is uh, on, the, on the street. And so, you know, it's been puked in. I don't want to drink the water. I, I, don't, I did use the bathroom, <laughs> but I wouldn't have said on that thing. You know what I mean? They strip searched me. It was uh, pretty awful. You have to strip naked. I didn't know this at all. You have to strip completely naked. He was a young sheriff, and he stood there, and he said, uh, right, spread your, spread your buttocks. And I said, no, I refused. I went back, and there were a couple of officers, a couple of other sheriffs there, and his superior officer, and they more or less said, if you don't strip search, I mean, you're, you know, you're in big trouble. We're going to forcibly strip search you.
I didn't have any choice, so I just stood around and spread my buttocks, and that was it. It's uh, it's very shocking when you're treated like a criminal, you know. When you, you live a normal life and you work and you don't, you just obey all laws in general, and then suddenly something like this happens. It's it's pretty uh, shocking. We've seen important people come through here, city officials even that have been treated the same as anybody else. They get no different treatment. They have to go through the booking, through the tank, through the screening, everything. Nurse Sil Kim Thretcher feels sorry for the first-timers, but there's nothing she can do. So after four hours, if you're sober, you get out. Then the fallout can begin. The police will always have it on, on file. They can always key into the computer if they want to find out. And the FBI knows about it. I felt a little bit invaded by that, but uh, as the FBI, there's such a stigma about the FBI being you know, all-powerful, uh, you know, uh, states, uh, you know, watchdog. Um, it's kind of it makes you nervous. I almost got fired when they found out. So I'm on probation for a few months. If I get any more points on my license, I get I get fired. The DOI school here was $130, I, you know, $700 for the lawyer and $873 for the, the fine. And then you're not even counting your time that you spent, you know, having to come to this. Uh, it's expensive. If it sounds bad, it is. But it could be worse. You have been stopped before you hurt or killed someone. That is when the real nightmare begins, and not just for you. A look inside those nightmares when drinking and driving the killer next door continues on KCBS. In a quiet, tiny suburb of Santa Rosa, a neighbor child wants to know when his pal, six-year-old Jeremy Mills, is coming home. Wayne Mills is patient. He always answers the boy. Jeremy is not coming home, son. Jeremy is in heaven. It is a lazy Friday evening. Dinner is done. Jeremy Mills is out back playing in his yard. His 10-year-old sister, Erin, is standing nearby. Wayne Mills, visiting next door, hears someone going too fast down Dutton Street, trying to make a left-hand turn onto the street where his backyard sits. He shot across here. He hit the curb. You can still see the black mark. Spun down toward the back of the property. Hit Jeremy. Wiped out the fence. Knocked it all down. And wound up resting, coming to a rest there. His wife, Terry, listens from the kitchen table. Well, I just ran out across the deck and I saw Jeremy laying on the ground. And I just screamed, my God, my baby's been hit. And I just ran and threw myself down on the ground. The driver, a neighbor, is very drunk. He's not badly injured. Jeremy goes into a coma. I fell to my knee. I just fell to, I, I mean, I can't explain it. Just the energy came out of me and I dropped to my knee and I just prayed to God, that, Father God, please don't take my son. Six-year-old Jeremy Mills died a week later. He never regained consciousness. Now, the family must cope in ways they never thought they'd have to. Behind that, our daughter was standing, and she witnessed the whole thing. And that's, that's part of the, the, the trauma side to it, is that, you know, here's a, a child who got to see the whole thing and saw her brother taken out. God gave it me, in particular, about a six-month period where I really coped with it very well. But then, all of a sudden, you realize he really is gone, and he's not coming back. Strong born-again Christians, the mill's only consolation is their conviction that Jeremy is now in heaven and that they will eventually be with him again. Until then, Wayne Mills lives with the memory of his only son. We had gone to our first baseball game where we went down and watched the Giants beat up on the Cardinals, and he enjoyed it, and he was looking forward to going again. 
I give him a, a bedtime story. Sometimes he would want me to read to him. Sometimes I'd make up the stories. And um, even in the middle of the night, he'd get up, and I remember this specifically, he'd come in and say, you know, Dad, I can't sleep. And I'd lift up my side of the sheet, and he'd cuddle up next to me in, in my stomach, and, you know, be cuddled up there, and we'd go back to sleep, and that was neat. Memories of his only son, killed by a drunk driver who is now serving two years in state prison. Penalties for vehicular manslaughter in the state of California, up to 10 years in state prison. A busy May rush hour in Cupertino. 30-year-old Michelle Scapatoni on her way to work, standing on the divider waiting for clear traffic when she got in the way of a drunk driver. She was a pedestrian walking down Stelling towards Stevens Creek. He accelerated to 45 miles an hour when he hit her. Both her and the car went airborne for 38 feet across three lanes of traffic at 5.30 in the evening. That is when the nightmare began for Michelle's sister, Mary Brasuel, and her family. She was ice cold. I couldn't feel any movement. She was in a coma. Uh, she was just still profusely bleeding through her nose and her mouth and her ears. It was just pouring out. It was just like somebody turned on a faucet. I couldn't believe it. What a terrible and gruesome, horrifying death. For Mary Brasuel, a ringing telephone will never sound the same. Uh, I got a telephone call from her boyfriend, a hysterical phone call saying, um, Michelle has been hit, she's been hit by a car. I received a couple of those phone calls. The first was about my Aunt Adelaide, who had been hit head-on by a teenager who was drunk. She was killed. Another was about my wife's cousin Patty, who she had grown up with as a sister, and Patty's six-year-old daughter Karen. The call said that Karen and Patty were hit by a drunk driver, killed. They were standing on the sidewalk. They had just come back from getting ice cream. Oh, my God. That phone call, I, I, I just, I went crazy. I sat dazed for several minutes, and then I had to wake up my wife and tell her that Patty and Karen were dead. It is a moment frozen in time, one that neither of us will ever forget. If I live to be 95, I, that, this is what I'm going to be carrying on my soul for the rest of my life. My children, my 5-year-old son, my 13-and-a-half-year-old daughter, 15-year-half-year-old daughter, they're going to be carrying this till the day they die. They can live to be hundreds. Every there's not one day that doesn't go by that we don't think and pray and love her. Okay, so this is something that's ongoing forever and ever in the loss that you feel. Not all drinking drivers and accidents kill other people, of course. I was so angry when I came to out of the shock. I wanted to yell at him. I wanted to tell him, how, how can you be so careless? How can you be so cruel, you know? They said, oh, well, later, later we'll tell you, you know, what happened. You know, we'll tell you where he is. And about a week and a half later, when, when everything was stable out, they told me that he had died. Silkim Fletcher, now a nurse at San Francisco County Jail, where she tends to drinking drivers, among others, was hit head-on by a driver who was drunk but she never got a chance to confront him. And I felt sorry because I didn't want him to be dead. I wanted him to be alive and well so that I could yell at him and vent my anger. So it took a long time for me to work through my anger and sense of frustration. A quiet, peaceful day in the yard at Soledad Prison. That's where John, not his real name, spends his time now. An alcoholic with 10 drunk driving convictions, he plowed head-on into another car at 65 miles an hour, and he survived. The man in the other car did not. John is serving three years for the crime, but says he will live forever with the knowledge that he took away a husband and a father. It's very difficult to live with, and I hope to... I would like to help his children upon my release in some way, shape, or form, possibly through an education or 
one day at a time. John is an alcoholic. Many others who kill may have alcohol problems, but many don't. Many just had a few too many drinks and got in their car. Death, injuries, and jail time for a drunken driving can be prevented 100%. There has been a great movement over the past several years to understand that, led by the group Mothers Against Drunk Driving, which has taken the lead in the effort. As we mentioned, virtually everyone who has been involved or affected by drinking and driving has advice. It's not always followed, but here's what they say. It's a bargain, a $10 cab ride, as compared to days in court, days off of work because you have to go to court. You know, any kind of embarrassment that's involved or, or however you feel about it, stress, depression, or whatever. If they're drinking, they better just take, a, take that $10 taxi ride. It's not that expensive. It really ain't that expensive. Take that taxi. Or just don't, you know. Just don't. If, if you want to go have a good time, just leave your car at home, take a cab or something if you're living in the city. This is definitely not worth getting busted for drunk driving. Don't drink and drive. Don't take the chance. You could kill yourself, innocent people, and it, it, it's ongoing because everybody suffers. I can't answer for other people. All I can answer is for myself and what I've learned. It'll never leave my conscious thought. Never has. It can happen to you, and you better realize that it can happen to you. You can be the person behind the wheel who's drunk, or you can be the person standing in your own yard or driving your car innocently down the freeway, and you're instantly taken out of this world. Every year, about 20,000 people die because of drinking and driving. That comes to one person every 27 minutes. Every 27 minutes, there is a broken heart, like Mary Brasuel's. A sister is lost. Every 27 minutes, unanswerable questions are raised. The death of a child. Wayne and Terry Mills having to explain it to Jeremy's friends. Every 27 minutes, a family like mine will never be the same. If people only knew. Remember to follow the News Vault from KCBS Radio on social media. On Facebook, we're at News Vault Podcast. On Twitter, find us at News Vault SF. On Instagram, we're at News Vault. Until our next episode, you are leaving the News Vault from KCBS Radio. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.